there's something I want to keep y'all up to date on, and that is you've got to know your enemy. You've got to know what kind of a battle you're facing. And you're, uh, you'll fight better when you keep it forefront in your mind. It's not just we have to do what we do, but we have to have a defense at the same time. Uh, Satan is always attacking us, and he attacks the mind. And so uh, he does it through people and circumstances, and his main goal is discouraging God's people from doing right. So he doesn't care what he has to do. By all means, he will use anything possible in order to destroy us, to get us to where we just don't think serving the Lord is worth it. Now, you and I know that it is worth it. But sometimes we can just get so disappointed or so discouraged, so down in despair that, well, we might just give up. Being a preacher, I get to see that all the time. Of people that used to be faithful, not faithful anymore. I went to Bible college with people that couldn't wait to get out so they could change the world. And it didn't wait long for the world to change them. And they no longer, even in the ministry, do anything for the Lord. But I just want to show you this. Look up here on this chart now. We talk about the past, the present, the future. The, the past is what happens before the cross. The present is this present period of time where we live right here. This is where we are. So this would be our present. And the future is what's going to happen in the future. So when it comes to the devil, you need to understand you know, who he is, where he came from, what he's doing. What's he doing now? And you say, well, as long as he leaves me alone. Yeah. Okay. If you look over here, in the very beginning, and you've got some of those scriptures in there. It can take you to the book of Isaiah and uh, to the book of Ezekiel. And it talks about Lucifer, the anointed cherub, and how that uh, I believe that he was probably a very beautiful angel in the music and just loved everything. He was... He had to be choice. I mean, God had to really bless this individual. And he was very wise and so on. But um, he got lifted up with pride. So he rebelled against God. When he rebelled against God, we believe that he took about a third of the angels. If we take the book of Revelation chapter 12 as a reference to him, when it says that um, there was about a third of the stars and so on. So if that's a reference to that, then that would be maybe what he's referring to. So he has a pretty good size army working for him. There is a hierarchy. There are divisions of what he, he does. And um, he has uh, organizational structure. Uh, the Bible calls about powers and principalities and, and higher places and all these things. He's the prince of the power of the air, this world in which we live. So Satan is very alive and he's well and he's, he's working. And um, I was reading the other day and just, just sitting down and just kind of reading some stuff in the book of Daniel. I am prophetic, uh, you know, minded, uh, but I got to keep my mind upon evangelism. Did you know you can get into prophecy and all those things and never win a soul? You can study so much about he's coming, he's coming, he's coming that you never do anything. It's better to understand it, know it and work harder. And try to reach as many people as you can. Because you can always find a hobby horse. You know, where some little truth that you ride to death. And the thing is, there's a lot of things in the Word of God. And you need to be as balanced as possible. Don't be out of balance between winning and training. You want to win, you want to train. 
But you've got to keep the purpose in mind. He didn't say go into all the world and teach the book of Daniel and Revelation. But I believe understanding Daniel and Revelation would help us to go into the world. Whatever we learn in spiritual realms, it should help me to accomplish my purpose, my goal. Why do I need to know this? Because I believe that Satan works upon our minds and tries to get us sidetracked from the most important things. To me, yesterday was a very good day for me. You know, just because of the opportunities, the phone calls that I had, and just, just and the letters that I get sometimes. Because we planted a lot of seeds. To me, that woman called me up and says, I found a track on the ground at one of the shopping centers. I guess it was up here at uh, Sisters Park. So there's these things that we do that we sow. And I believe when you listen to some of these people, that's the most important thing that ever happens in their life. So if that's the most important thing that happened in their life, and being saved was the most important thing that ever happened in our life, then somebody telling us must have been the most important thing they could have ever done. Because that's the way it works. So anyway, we have this whole story. And you'll find out when you read the book of Daniel, that Daniel was praying to the Lord, and he had kind of like hadn't had anything to eat for about three weeks, 21 days. He had prayed to the Lord, and well, the, the angel finally got to him. And it says that I couldn't get here earlier because uh, we were fighting against the prince over there at Persia. In other words, you can't see them. They're behind the scenes. And then Michael helped him and got through, and so he was able to get through. He said, but the Lord heard thee the day you offered the prayer, and it was three weeks in between. And you stop and think, you know, that's a, that's a long time. But there's things going on that we don't understand. But if Satan could, he would prohibit us from doing the things that we should do. And so there are spirits in high places. There are fallen angels. There's demons. You don't have to see them. You just know from the Word of God they are real. They are as real as God is real. And they're working and doing everything possible to disappoint, discourage, and get you sidetracked in so many ways. He wants to destroy your testimony. Now remember, you can't get your soul. Your soul is saved. He can't get you to go to hell. But he can sure ruin your life. And he's done that with a lot of people. So even though we know that's in the book of Daniel, it gives you an inside view of something going on behind the scenes. And so Satan is real. But now we know that he is in the garden. We know that he tempts. But does, does God tempt us to sin? Who tempts us to sin? So then if God doesn't tempt us to sin, what scripture, or is there any scripture that says God tempteth no man? Is there any verse like that anywhere in the Bible that says God doesn't tempt us? Where is that verse found? Where is it found? Don't say in the Bible. Where is it found? James chapter what? Chapter 1. Verse, verse 13, what did somebody say? Bob, you got it there? Where is it found? Book of James, Old Schofield Reference Bible, left-hand page, right-hand column, down toward the bottom. What? Is that what it is? All right, would you read that verse out loud? Yes. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So, 
God doesn't tempt anybody to sin. Well, I wouldn't have fell if God hadn't tempted me. God does not tempt any man to sin. But there is someone who does tempt you. I wonder who that is. All right, we know that that is the devil. And the Bible says he hath deceived the whole world. Where does it say in the Bible that God hath deceived the whole world? And if you're in the world and I'm in the world, we've all been deceived by him. One way or another, we have all been deceived. Oh, no, God didn't deceive us. Did I say that? I was just testing you. So, where does it say that Satan has deceived the whole world? Where does it say that in the Bible? Do you, here we are. We're God's children and we're fighting this battle. And the Bible says that God doesn't tempt any man. But the Bible does say that Satan has deceived, tempts the whole world. But don't you think that would be a good verse to know? So there in the book of Revelation chapter what? 12. Very good. It's on the right hand page. Left hand column. Where does it say that? This, you're in a spiritual war. Need to know your enemy. Know where he's coming from. Know what he's going to do. What's that? 12.9. Read it. You got it? He has the Bible committed to memory. All right, Gary. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So you see there? Deceiveth the whole world. So whether you like it or not, and I don't like it, Satan has deceived us. There's times in our life when we've been deceived. We believed a lie. We've been lied to. There's people that lie to us. Have you ever had any person, before you were saved, try to get you to do something that was wrong, and you knew it was wrong, try to get you to do something wrong? And now, since you have been saved, that's never happened, has it? Could a Christian try to get another Christian to do something wrong? Why did you do it? No. So here you are. Is it possible that the devil can even use you? Could you disappoint somebody? Discourage? Say things to put them down? To rip the heart right out of them? Cause them maybe not to be found faithful? Not to be for something because you didn't like it? And it's your opinion? Nothing wrong with it. It's just, I don't like it. And you'd be surprised how many times the devil can work through God's people. I'm glad there's nobody like that here. But you and I know that Satan is uh, alive and he works. Now, on your notes there, I just wanted to kind of bring out, not so much as the past. You can read those things later. But I want to talk about the present, where we are right now. Now, there's these three things that it calls there the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Now, those are found, in, and I want you to look at it, in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John, in chapter 2. 1 John, chapter 2. Because the whole thing about your testings in life is to see who do you love. Do you love the Lord more than you love the world? You see, God may test your faith. He may have something He wants you to do. What if God took away the world from you? 
Can he take your health away? Can he take your wealth away? Can he take all those things away from you? Can he take your loved ones away from you? Would you still love God? God wants you to love him more than anything else in the world. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, strength, everything. Love him more. Even in the book of Luke chapter 14, it says that if a man does not love him more than his mother and father and brother and sister and everybody else, he cannot be my disciple. God wants love more than anything else in the world. He wants you to want him more than you want anything from him. Did you know that God wants you more than he wants anything else from you? Because if he gets you, he got everything else, doesn't he? If he can get you, he got everything you have. And you'll not hold back on anything if he gets you. Is it possible that Christians could try to buy God off? You know, I give a little bit, serve a little bit, but not with all my heart because, well... You know, I've got my limits with God. And God ought to be, well, he ought to be thankful he got anything from me. But do you think sometimes that, have you ever seen children, when you're told, they're told to do something, they try to do just enough to keep from getting whooped. But you know their heart isn't right, their motive isn't right, they just don't want to get whooped, and they just enough to get by. Have you ever seen kids in college? Well, I have that will study just enough to try to pass a test. Nothing more, nothing less, just as long as I can get a good grade. Just as long as I can get through. But do we give it all that we have? Do we want to do the best that we can? Have you ever had a job where you did only what was required and nothing more? I've always wanted to give more than I was ever paid. Outwork whatever somebody gives you so that when you get paid, you don't have to go up this way like that to them. You ought to be able to look them straight in the eye. I earned that, bud. And keep it in mind. Whenever you and I are in this world doing whatever it is God wants us to do, do you think people are watching us? Watching to see how we handle things? Do you think other people watch you on the job to see whether or not you cut corners? Or when the boss is out, you put your feet up on the desk. Sometimes I'll come in the door here, and I know that they're in there, and they're, sometimes they're talking. I says, boss is in here. Get your feet off the desk. Because I ain't never caught them with their feet on the desk anyway. But I just love saying it. And I want them to enjoy doing what they do. But sometimes we, sometimes we have to watch. Because there's things God is going to test us with. So look there in this verse. Now start off in verse 15 because there's something here about some things to love, things not to love. You see, if you love flowers, you have to hate weeds. Now why? Weeds hurt flowers. Now when you talk about the Lord, there's some things that God doesn't like. What doesn't God like? I want to know what God doesn't like. Because if I love God, I want to please God. Well, I want to know what doesn't please God. Because he says in the book of Revelation in chapter 5, he talks about you and I, or chapter 4, I believe it is, uh, for we are created by him and for him, but it also says to please him. We were created to please him. So we should try to find out what pleases God. What makes God pleased? How do I please God? So you study the Bible to find out how to please God. 
Now, most people, their only goal in life is to find out what pleases them. What makes me happy? And the thing isn't about making you happy. That's why I really sometimes, I really don't care whether you're happy or not. I don't get caught up in people's emotions. I'm sorry. I just know that you have a responsibility to God and you ought to do it. I have a responsibility to God. I better do it. This life is short. And we've got to give an account. There is a, the principle of accountability. Every man shall give account of himself to God. And that account is what did you do with your life. So all these things that we've got to go through, God's keeping books. You're going to have to answer to God for everything that you did. So he says in verse 15, love not the world. If he didn't say any more than that, love not the world. Okay, here we are. Are you in love with the world? What is the world? Is it the planet, the stars, the galaxies? What is the world? Boys, girls, money, fame, popularity. What is the world? But whatever it is, whatever it is, you're not to love it. Whatever it is. It's just like I had a person one time says, I says, you know, everybody sins. Not me. I said, everybody sins. Not me. I said, you know, I don't care what sin is. I really don't care what sin is. But whatever it is, yeah, you did it. Whatever it is, you did it. Because God says all have sinned. So whatever sin is, you did. So have I. So we have all sinned. And evidently, if God wants us not to love the world, and we love the world, did we sin? Where does it say in the Bible that to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Is that a verse in the Bible? Boy, that's one of your favorite verses, isn't it? Well, he had that one right there. And it makes a simple little statement. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So, we wouldn't sin if we knew what to do, right? I mean, we wouldn't just do it purposely, right? Of course. So God says in his word, love not the world. Look at the next part of this verse. Neither the things that are in the world, things, things. Don't love the world. Don't love things that are in the world. Is it easy for us to get caught up in the things of this world and just want more and more and more of the things of this world? Because think for a moment. When Christ... He left heaven's glory. The Bible says, though he was rich, he became, hmm, what's that word? Poor, that we through his poverty might be what? Rich. Now, can you imagine God created the heavens and the earth, all that gold, all the diamonds and the silver and precious jewels and all of that, and he came into this world and was poor. He was in poverty. Maybe if he lived the day, he'd be on food stamps. But he was poor. He was poor. And so, he's the one that's telling us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And look how much is in the world that we sometimes will lose the blessings of God because we want the things of the world. And God says the things of the world are all going to be lost. They're all going to be burned up. Everything in this world is going to be gone. I keep looking for and expecting any day now 
to be taken out of here, whether by rapture or by death. It really makes no difference to me because I'm going to be where I've been waiting to go for a long time. I've got some precious people on the other side, and I've got some precious people here. So whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. And the Bible talks about, and Paul talks about this in Philippians, he talks about the people that are here. He says, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain here in the flesh, in the body, is more what? Needful for you. In other words, Paul knew the reason God left him here was not for himself, but for others. Now, why did God leave you here after you were saved? For others. It's not for you. So God is going to reward you according to the time he gave you to reach others. Now, we can either do it or not do it. And this is why we have such a great opportunity. Because, see, when we work together, we get more accomplished. See, by us working together, look at the various ministries God's given to us. We had some people trust the Lord this morning on the Internet. I just love it. I just think it's so neat. Some of them, like people were telling me, they were, it was a couple clips before that we ever finished the service. Isn't that awesome? But we keep planting seeds, and after a while, some of this stuff's going to start growing. Do you realize that down the road, I can see a lot of things happening? And it amazes me. Let me just share this with you, because I, I don't know where it's going to go, but I just want to let you know, because I, I want you to pray for this. And I think it's a great opportunity. The other day, I got a, a phone call. Well, it was because of an email that they sent to me, and I emailed them back and said, well, I'm interested. They emailed me and wanted me to come to California. And I thought, well, I'd like to know what do they want me to come to California for. So I emailed them back and says, um, who are you? How do you know me? What do you want? So they emailed me back. says, we know you through a guy named Chris Gould, who was the general manager of Salem Communication down here at the radio station. He got transferred to California. And he that called me was the president of Capitol Ministries, which has the Bible study at the Capitol in Washington. And they have Bible ministries that they want to get started in other states. And so um, he has a, a website, and I went to it, and I looked at his website. And I couldn't believe the people of endorsements that are on this thing. And so I asked him, I said, well, what do you want me to come out there for? He says, I, we want you for about 20 minutes. I said, now let me get this straight. You want me to come to California, spend about four days for 20 minutes? I said, that's right. We'll pay all your expenses, airplane, flight, everything. We want you to come. I said, for 20 minutes. He said, yes. I said, could you explain this to me a little bit? I've just got a curious mind, that's all. He says, because we want to videotape you how you present the gospel and the content of what you do in your Bible study downtown in the county court building. I said, well, I can do that. He said, that's what we want. We want to use this video as a pilot to do this in all 50 states. Every county courthouse, every county. And we have people that are behind them to get this done. But as we know of, you're the only one that's doing it. I said, well, I didn't start that. I said, a guy named Hank Linson started this about 15, 20 years ago. He said, yeah, but you're the only one that we know of that's doing it. I said, but I didn't start it. 
Yeah, but we want to, he says, we want you to come. And says, as soon as it's over, we, after we videotape you doing this, I says, now, I, I give the gospel. So, well, that's what we want. I says, I'm not sure you understand <laughs> how I give the gospel. And he says, I've already talked to Chris Gould. He's already informed me. He says, and this is what we want. I says, all right. He says, and then we're going to be, I'm going to be speaking at the Southern Baptist Convention at about 350 pastors. And he says, I got a meeting there, and then he had other meetings. He's going to, he says, and we want to show them this video. I thought, Lord has to be doing this. I thought, how in the world can you get a chance to reach so many people? And then you don't need, and pray about that. Because anything that can be good and used for the Lord, the devil is going to fight. If the Lord is in it, the devil is in it. Anything you want to do that's good and right for the Lord, the devil is going to be right there with you. He's not going to leave you alone. Now, if you don't serve the Lord, he'll leave you alone. But if you're going to serve the Lord, you can expect God to interrupt your schedule and the devil. And he's going to do all that he can to hinder. There's other things that I'm going, that's going on right now that I sure do need some prayer on because uh, I've got a lot of interesting things that are happening. And... Um, I need some special prayer on the Jim Tingent story and uh, people I got to find. And it's just, uh, we've been working on this for over eight months now. Eight months. And it ain't over yet. And the reason is because he, I believe a lot of things are hindered because of the devil. Paul says in the book of Philippians, he says, I would have done this and come to, he says, but Satan hindered. So you don't get to do everything you want when you want to do it because Satan is fighting the battle. He will hinder you. And so he doesn't care how he does it. So even if the devil doesn't do it, God says, I want you to watch out for these things because these three things that are mentioned right here are the same things that got Eve. What she looked and thought about and make her wise and all that. It's the same three things that are found right here. Whenever Satan met Jesus upon the mountain, after 40 days, he didn't have anything to eat. And it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. See, he was tempted. And he was hungry. And the devil comes along and says, why don't you just take that piece of rock right there and just turn it into bread? Is he tempting him? He's tempting him. But the Bible says that Jesus answered with Scripture. See, the devil is going to offer you little trinkets of the world. And have you ever tried to figure out how that he was able to show the kingdoms of this world to Jesus in a moment of time? Did he have a VCR? I mean, what did he use? Here he was, and he showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And we think, we're good with our technology. Buddy, he was pretty good. And all these things, you find out, he offers something to get you to worship him. All he wanted was, worship me. And the way you worship the devil is by obeying the devil. You might ever fall down and um, pray to him and sacrifice to him. But when you obey the devil, 
you're worshiping the devil. Don't obey the devil. There's only one that deserves to be worshiped. Only one that deserves to be obeyed. And you really are not worshiping the Lord if you're disobeying him. So keep that in mind. Now look what he says here in verse 15. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's either one way or the other. Who do you love? And then verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Those three things are things that the devil is going to use to get you to fall in love with the things of the world because every man is going to want, you know, the pride, the wealth, you know, this intelligence, the wisdom, the praise, honor, glory. And so people seek that here. But God says that if you will forego that, and though the trial of your faith, because it says your faith is on trial, though it be tried with fire, may be found on the praise, honor, and glory, so that the day will come when God will give you praise, honor, and glory. So you can either get it here from man, or you can get it later from God. I would rather get mine later. If there's any coming, I'd rather get it from God. Because the devil, I don't trust him. I don't think he'll keep his word. I think he's a liar, he's a deceiver, and I just don't trust him. But for some reason, I have a good idea that if God promises something, he's going to do it. He's going to keep his word. And so he says here in verse 17, he says, And the world passes away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You see, whenever you trusted Christ as your Savior, how long are you going to last? For all eternity. But the flesh, the flesh passes away. The world will pass away. The lust that is in the flesh, these bodies are going to die. They're going to pass away. This is why it's so difficult for people to be really happy in this life, with this life. Because, you see, from the time you were a little child, there's things that you loved. But didn't your desires keep changing? Have you ever seen little kids that would play with a toy? Happy as a lark. And somebody else have another little toy that he doesn't have. How long does it take for him to want to have that toy? And then have you ever turned them loose in a Toys R Us? Don't. And you'll be surprised how desires can change. Have you ever seen something that you want that little child to have? And you know, Oh, they'll love this. And you give them to them, and they'll play with the box, and have more fun with the box than they will with the toy that came in the box. And then you find out that, what? oh, I love it. Oh, Grandma, give me this. Grandma, give me this. And you finally get it for them. And it lasts about a week, and their desires have changed. It probably hasn't changed much in all your life. Because as you got older... Remember the girls hate boys? You notice that boys hated girls? But then you get a certain age, desires change. Aren't you glad if they hadn't, it would have been the end of the human race. But then they desire to say, boy likes girl, girl likes boy. And they want to get married and live happily ever after. Have you ever seen anybody live happily ever after? <laughs> well, that's the goal anyway. But don't desires change? Oh, if I can just get him to 
They're saying, you'll marry me. Oh, will you marry me? Yes. Wilt thou? And he wills. And those rings get on their finger, but it don't last long before they want to get that ring off that finger. This one girl, she showed us. The girl at the office. Look at the ring my boyfriend got me. Isn't that pretty? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that four times. Uh, desires change. There's desires that you have, the house you live in. There's desires of the car that you drive. There's all kind of clothes that you have because at one time, oh, I just got to have that. Oh, I just got to. And you have it. And it's amazing how I many, I had to have that one, and I had to have that one, and I had to have that one, and I had to have that one. That's why I told Betty, if you find any kind of shoes that you really like, buy one in every color. <laughs> the desires change. And as we get older, our desires change. When I was younger, 55, I'm going to build my own house. I built a house upstairs and downstairs. And I got those stairs. But I can see in another 5, 10 years, I won't need those stairs. Now why? I'll need an escalator or an elevator. So there's Things that happen as we get older. I used to mock and make fun of those people as I drove down the road. And I look over there and look at those old folks sitting out there on a porch in a, <laughs> in a rocking chair. I, I went out of the uh, store down there to, uh, yesterday, uh, Cracker Barrel. Can you believe this? Uh, said, take a picture of us. So I, we, I take a picture at Cracker Barrel. So send it to Trina. Send it to Trina. Trina puts it on Facebook. Guess where my dad took my mother for her birthday? Everybody's going, crack a barrel, crack a barrel, crack a barrel, crack a barrel. <laughs> well, she wanted to go to Cracker Barrel. And it's cheaper. <laughs> but anyway, there's times in your life where things like that can, you know, change. But always keep it in mind. The Lord knows what he's doing and working in our lives. But if the Lord's working in your life, the devil is working behind the scenes. And I want the devil to know he's been in a fight. I'd love to, when life is all over, that I gave him a big old black eye. I remember in reading in the book of Acts, where these spirits, you know, that says, Paul we know, but who are you? Who are you? I want him to say, I know that Yankee guy. I know that Yankee guy. When you read the book of Job, you find out how that he tried to get a hold of old Job. God says, have you considered my servant Job down there? He'll maintain his integrity. He loves me. That's like God said, he loves me. Have you tried him? So he said, I can't get at him because you won't let me get at him. But you let me get at him and he'll curse you. God, so God allowed him to do certain things, but not other things. A limit. Satan can't just do anything he wants to do. But you'd be surprised that if um, you rebel against the Lord, you'd be surprised the things that God can allow the devil to come after you. And the Bible talks about the blessings of God that can pursue you. And the curses of God that can pursue you. It's like trying to run away from them. And they're coming after you. The curse of God on your life when you rebel against the Lord. I'd want his blessings to run me down and run me all over and smother me. 
than the curses of God, that God can chasten you. So you want to keep that in mind. But look at that last part of that verse 17, that he that doeth the will of God. The will of God is love not the world. The will of God is love the Lord. So can somebody make you love God? No. They couldn't make you trust him. They can't make you serve him. You see, serving the Lord has to be a voluntary thing. But God wants us to know there's an enemy. There's a price to pay for loving God. Because you loving God means that I want to please him. And if you seek to please him, there's a devil who doesn't want you to. So he's going to be after you. The Bible makes it this way. He says, the devil is as a um, roaring mouse. As a what? A roaring lion seeking what? Whom he can devour. And he devours you. He devours your time. He can devour everything that you have. He devours you. Just eat up your life with something that's not going to amount to a hill of beans a hundred years from now. I came to the conclusion years ago, I don't want to spend my time, my life, the purpose of my life, doing what the lost man can do. I want to spend my life doing what God wants me to do. So that whenever life is all over with, I did something that amounted to something. Because this life's going to be over soon. And we're going to be with the Lord. And we'll wish we had given him more. There's a song about that. It's really a great song. I wish I had given him more. Bob, you ought to get that song and sing it. That's right down your alley. You know that song? Mm-hmm. All right. Put him down to sing that song. It's a, it's a great song. But all of y'all need to read those notes. Know your enemy. Know what you're up against. It's not going to be a free ride. The more you serve the Lord, the more problems you're going to have. And I'm talking about, and you can't imagine where they're going to come from. See, even as a church, as a, as a church, uh, we got men on our board. We got decisions all the time we have to make. There's always something that's hitting us, always something else going on. And we have to look to the Lord. Lord, walk me through this. Walk us through that. Because we've got to love him better than anything else in this world. I'm not in love with this building. I'm not in love with that gymnasium. I'm not in love with those pews. I'm, I'm in love with the people. Because you're worth something. These other things, they come and they go. I'm not in love with the bus. If we get a bus, fine. If we don't get another bus, I don't care. Whatever God wants us to have, let God give it to us. God wants to take it, we let him take it away. But I don't want anything to happen to, to my love for the Lord. Because I know he loves me. And I want to love him that much. That nothing else comes between us. This hand represents you and me. And this wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now God says he loves us. But he hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But God loves us. Wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. We've all sinned. That's why we cannot save ourselves because we have to pay for the sin. 
So we, there's no way of ever paying for it. It's eternal separation. That's why you can't save yourself because you're eternally to be separated from God. And good works doesn't pay for sin. Death pays for sin. That's why no man has a chance. He can't even help save himself. He needs a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would give us as a free gift everlasting life. It's free. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, and no one looking around, would you just talk to the Lord? Has the devil been after you lately? Have you been down a little bit, a little discouraged, a little in despair? Well, wonderful. Glad to hear that. It means the devil thinks you're worthy of coming after. And there's always going to be problems. But you can trust the Lord and he'll walk you through it. I don't care what it is. The Lord keeps his word. The Lord is faithful. The Lord knows our enemy. We learn a little bit. But learn to trust the Lord. And if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ, would you right now in the quietness of this moment say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I believe Christ died, paid for my sin, and I'm going to trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God said that if you would, he would save you and give eternal life and never cast you out and never lose you. I pray that you have trusted Christ. Or if you're watching by internet tonight, if you're up there and you're listening and saying, you know, that made sense to me. I want to be certain of eternal life. Know that I'm going to heaven. Then, friend, the only way you can be certain is that you trust Christ as your Savior in Him alone and totally rest upon the work that He did. He died for you. He paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay for them if you'll believe that He did it for you. Would you believe it? Would you trust Him? I pray that you will. Our Father, we thank you so much for your blessings to us, for the privilege of knowing you as our Savior. And Father, we pray that even though we live in a world that has fallen apart and we know it's going to pass away one day, and Father, according to your word, you tell us not to love the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these things that the devil uses to lure us away from you, help us to love you and be faithful. The day's coming when we'll be glad we did. So bless each one in Christ's name we pray. Amen.